Hi everyone and welcome to Charity Speaks. I'm Tyler Hill, the VP of Brand and Marketing at Charity, and I'm here with Sal Sao Ming, a project manager here at Charity. Here on the show today, we have two special guests and we're discussing the path to starting a successful nonprofit. Let me introduce them. Charlie Merritt is the founder and executive director of Stand Up For Me, a charity supporting independence of people with physical disabilities. He is also the VP of Business Development at Stalwartcom, a veteran-owned and operated business specializing in assistive technology for the Department of Veteran Affairs. Also on the stage here, we have Bill Heiselman. He is the president of Stand Up For Me. He is a medical sales professional who takes pride in representing products that add value to patient lives, providers, and the health systems in which they belong. Welcome, Bill and Charlie. Welcome, guys. Hi. It's really nice to see Hi, you. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys have this awesome charity called Stand Up For Me. I was wondering if you could give me a little introduction into, um, you know, what Stand Up For Me represents. Uh, sure. So Charlie and I started Stand Up For Me a couple of years ago. Um, in an effort, we started off, we wanted to help folks living with paralysis, veterans primarily. And what we found was it was, it was hard to help people. It was hard to get people um, help. Uh, get them to allow us to help them. So we we decided we were going to start casting a wider net and we kind of roped in anybody living with disabilities that wanted to live a more connected and independent life. Um, so any kind of disabilities that they have that kind of inhibits them or prevents them or provides an obstacle for them to live a more free and and fulfilling life. And uh, and that's that's kind of where we are today. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, you know, you sort of touched on it a little bit, but, um, you know, Charlie, I would love to hear your side of that story as well. Sure. Uh, so, excuse me, six years ago, uh, I broke my neck and I kind of got thrust into this, this life of trying to figure out uh, resources for, you know, living my own life uh, and helping my family and reducing the burden on them. And I went through about eight months of inpatient uh, through the VA as well as uh, civilian hospitals. So I was able to kind of see the dif the differences between how you know veterans get treated with a spinal cord injury versus how the civilian population gets treated. The one common denominator was all the patients didn't really understand or have any clue, and there wasn't really a lot of information about uh, what was out there for them to be able to be more independent, to be able to not be that burden on their family, uh, and to be able to live that uh, a life that uh, is as close to normal as possible, um, regardless of their physical limitations. So uh, once I got home from, from being inpatient, uh, I kind of, the, the wheels really started spinning, and I was able to start digging into assistive technology and kind of worked my way into a lot of different nonprofits and just looking for resources to help myself. And I was able to be pretty successful with that. So uh, I figured that I would take that knowledge and experience and give back to the people uh, that ended up being in these traumatic situations like I was, uh, and hopefully, you know, ease their anxiety and um, the feeling of hopelessness that you have when you have something traumatic happen to you. And that was the goal of Stand Up For Me. And I got with Bill and we started working on um, who we're going to direct this type of, of help to. And really what I found was 
you know, the people that are in the uh, civilian population with spinal cord injuries or paralysis or different types of uh, SEI diseases and disorders like MS and ALS don't really know who to reach out to, to, to get the help they need, whether it's Medicaid, Medicare, the different nonprofits that, that fill certain gaps that Medicaid doesn't cover um, or private healthcare or the long-term care system uh, through Medicaid. So that was really the, the, the fire that was kind of lit uh, for me uh, to make sure that that population of people, that demographic was uh, given at least the opportunity to have a resource through Stand Up For Me, not only to point them in the right direction um, through our own kind of connecting the dots for them, depending on their, their particular case, but also, you know, if, if no help was found or it would take a year to get the equipment they needed, that we would fundraise for them to provide it. Um, and we've done that with a lot of assistive technology, like the quad stick, which is what I use here to, to interact and communicate, uh, communicate with, with people through the, my, my computer. Um, and also uh, control parts of my home as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so the biggest push was just, you know, helping people like me kind of get through that initial hurdle and answer questions that they might not be able to find the answer uh, for themselves. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. And, you know, you guys have done something really incredible. So um, in terms of in terms of building a community, you guys touched on this a little bit. But how would you say how would you say a nonprofit like yours helps build a community? Obviously, you know, you help provide resources for people who are you know going through this. But are there any other ways that you sort of help pull this all together? Yeah, so uh, the main focus really has been social media. So we do a lot with uh, Facebook groups. Um, we do a lot with uh, some of the different spinal cord groups that are out there just to be able to answer questions. A lot of it's very proactive uh, for us because um, we're such a small organization. We're just starting out. So we're really putting the feelers out in these different communities and trying to bring people in and say, hey, you know, if you're asking these questions here about the things that you need, um, we're an organization that can help you. You know, we want to help you and we're here to help you. And we, we just have been doing kind of a grassroots uh, guerrilla campaign to, to help people out. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really awesome. So I think, you know, that sort of grassroots type helping is, um, you know, really is accessible and ground level and really does help people get the uh, get what they need. So, um, you know, I, I was wondering, um, you know, in terms of starting a nonprofit from the ground up, that must be a pretty difficult process. So for you guys, what do you think the biggest challenge was, um, you know, whether it's, you know, bringing people into the community or, you know, giving people the help that they may not want to accept or, you know, was it something else? Wait, for me, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest part really is just making sure that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed with, you know, state regulations, federal tax regulations, getting your 501c3. Non, the, the, the nonprofit process really isn't that hard. There's just a lot of paperwork that goes into it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like the first hurdle. And, and it's an ongoing hurdle because there's annual renewals, there's annual registrations, um, just to make sure that, you know, people that look up your organization that want to get help. Um, and those watchdogs are the people that are, you know, very skeptical of nonprofits in general because of, know what they've seen on the news or in the past on social media um we 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 make sure that everything is 
you know, up to snuff. And then past that, it's really just getting people to go beyond that. All right, well, in paper, they're good, but can we really trust this person to help us? Um, and right now, you know, it's, it's me leading the way and it's me talking to people and it's me trying to bring people in and say, yes, I can help you. Let me help you. And then that's like the third hurdle. It's like, once they've realized that, okay, these people can help me, it's kind of going through the process of, of obtaining that help because there's paperwork. You know, if there's uh, a resource out there that I can get you to that, you know, you got to go on their website and fill out a web form. You know, sometimes it takes three weeks to just, you have to keep kind of prodding uh, people so they can go, hey, we need to get this thing filled out so we can get you this assistance. Um, so a lot of times it just comes down to, you know, people realizing that, the that they don't have to be so cynical when it comes to the the aid that's out there from nonprofits or from uh, state, local, federal government. Um, they really just need to uh, work on getting the information that they have to these organizations so that they can sift through it and and see how they can help them. Um, so that's a lot of what we do. Uh, the, the easier things are like, hey, you know, I'd like to use my computer again and I'm a quadriplegic. Then we go, hey, well, we can raise $500 and we can get you a, a quad stick and we'll teach you how to use it and you'll be able to do that again. Uh, but some of the other ones are just, you know, you meet a lot of uh, hurdles and roadblocks and a lot of people that are just kind of downtrodden by the system. Um, and they're just happy to talk to somebody, whether you do do something good for them or not. But um, really it comes down to them beaten up by the system and they need an advocate. They need somebody to, to reinvigorate their motivation that there is help out there and they can receive it. They just have to, you know, make sure they fill in the right bubbles on the form. Mm. Yeah, Charlie, that was a very succinct answer. Um, you know, the ugly truth of it is, is the regulatory environment is tough. Um, it, once you have that figured out, then it's establishing trust with people to allow them to help you which trust is, is a tricky thing, right? Getting trust with strangers, um, even when it's you're trying to give the give things away, there's still trust that needs to be established. And, and that's a challenge, right? So the more you do it, the more you keep at it, uh, the more credibility you can build and the more people you can help. And, and that's like paying it forward, that's, that's how it started, right? Paying it forward with just Charlie on the phone telling people where to call and who to look to and then and where to find the information that they need and where to find this, you know, the resources that they rate. Um, it, that was the paying it forward type of thing that, you know, we there was no money raised. There was no taking down and. Uh, a, a client's information and what their ailment or their disability was. There was no asking them for some sort of uh, story around their experience and working with Standard for Me and working with Charlie. It was just, this is what you need, man. It sounds to me like this is the thing you need and this is the kind of equipment that would really help you. And these are the folks that'll give it to you if you just let them help you. And it was just um, him kind of, taking a stand and uh, and saying, I, I know the path. I know the way to get help. And I know where the help is. I know where it's hard to get help. I know where it's easy to find help. And, and just giving it away, you know, and just taking the time to establish trust and credibility in this space 
Um, that's, that's where Charlie paid it all forward on the front end. That's sort of a really good point that both of you made. And, um, you know, one thing I was wondering, like, you know, I know for both of you and probably Charlie even more so, like, it must get exhausting sort of, you know, pitching in and like sort of, you know, helping people out. Like, how do you guys deal with that sort of, you know, the loss of energy that you get from, you know, sort of working on this constantly and sort of struggling with these regulatory issues, especially um, always like, how do you guys sort of recharge or, you know, like keep yourselves, um, keep yourselves in a good spot. I got, yeah. I got this one, Charlie. Okay. I get an email that I'm like CC'd on this thread of emails. <laughs> Cause Charlie CC's me on everything. Right. So there's been like, you know, this thread of emails, there's like maybe 25 that go back and forth between somebody who needs something and, um, somebody who's a quadriplegic and, um, they need help. And, and then the last email is, I just got my quad stick and it's changing my life. I can play video games with my son again. And it's the thing I can do with my son who's growing up and like, I can participate in his life again. And it's like, yeah, God. now we can do anything. Now, now there's no stopping us now, you know? It, there's such a recharge. It's not about the effort put out. It's the thing that you feel that's immeasurable. It's not a thing that's quantifiable, you know, How, like the thing that makes you feel that you're on stop. There's nothing that's going to get in your way to help a person to that degree, right? Because how are you going to measure a father playing video games with his son? Like, how, what, what do you have to quantify the amount of energy it takes to get that thing accomplished? And the bottom line of the return on that investment of that energy given, there's no measuring it. There's no measuring it. It's about what it does to you and how it impacts your soul. And uh, it only took one and, and there's no stopping now. No, I agree. And I mean, stand up for me. Uh, we don't, we're a hundred percent. Every dime that comes in goes right back out. Like well, we don't make a paycheck. Uh, none of our board, board members make a paycheck. Um, I don't make a paycheck. You know, this is uh, just like Bill said, it's that feeling of, um, you know, knowing like that someone is genuinely uh, helped and like their life has become like a notch better. You know, it's just, it's very fulfilling. Um, and for me, like knowing that frustration firsthand, um, as a lot of people do, um, and, and not knowing where to turn to. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the one place that you did, you know, you talked to this group from stand up for me and all of a sudden, you know, your life is a notch better. Um, you know, getting that kind of, uh, that response is, um, like, like Bill said, you can't quantify it. Uh, it just fills you with, you know, a warm, glowy feeling. Um, you get, you know, warm and fuzzy inside. It's, it's really good. Um, and it keeps you charged up to, to helping more people, even though some people fall off or some people don't respond. Um, you know, if when you help that next person and that feeling happens again, and you see how their life's been improved, um, it really does make a difference for everybody, um, including the, us for, you know, the people that are, you know, putting in the work to, to help these folks out. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, that's definitely, 
you know, that's definitely a worthwhile cause. And that's, you know, I guess why anyone ever starts a nonprofit is to sort of see, pay it forward, see people sort of benefit from it, that firsthand kind of way. So it's definitely, um, you know, definitely something super impressive. Um, you know, in terms of um, the way that you guys run Stand Up For Me also, I was wondering, um, you know, has the pandemic shifted the way that you run your charity? Um, you know, since, you know, Carly's already a very online sort of personality. So I was wondering if it, you know, helped you guys, harmed you guys, maybe a mixed bag. I'm curious to hear like how it sort of factors in for a nonprofit. So, I mean, most of the people we're, we're helping, we're, we're doing through some an online community, whether it be Facebook, some sort of social media, Instagram, whatever it is. So there's not a lot of like face-to-face set up for, for us to do currently. So uh, the pandemic really didn't hurt us a lot. What it did was it forced a lot of other people inside their homes and back on the internet a lot. Um, so it actually like raised the level of awareness for uh, people that are living with, you know, quadriplegia paralysis, uh, muscular dystrophy, um, ALS that are becoming a, a, a more sustainable part of the workforce, a more sustainable part of just uh, social interactions because people are at home on their computers and that's the way, you know, we interact for the most part. Um, and the pandemic really has just put a really like an exclamation point on um, our ability to uh, level the playing field through technology. And that's why, you know, Stand Up For Me really focuses on that, that technology and using it to gain independence for people um, to give them the the ability to be, in some cases, more productive, and uh, you know, give that level playing for field. It's the it's a it's a great equalizer uh, when it comes to people with disabilities versus people uh, with, with that don't have disabilities. Um, and the pandemic's really showcased that, I believe, and it's and it's really assisted us. And we've used it as a strength as opposed to you know, making excuses because, you know, COVID's here. Oh, well, we can't do this because of COVID. We can't do that because of COVID. You know, we just put our, you know, heads down, kept our eyes open um, and continue to do what we do. So uh, I'll add to it. And that's a great, you know, Charlie and I have talked about this a little bit. It's a great answer, Charlie. You know, Charlie and I are, we both served in the Marine Corps once upon a time. And there's, you know, adapt and overcome that's instilled in every Marine. There's no obstacle that can ever get in the way of your mission. Mission accomplishment is the number one priority all the time. So you look at your environment and you look at the factors in play and you figure out how to accomplish your mission, regardless of what is happening. You look at it objectively. And I'm... stubbornly optimistic kind of a dude right and to me it was it was very clear right off the bat i like remember talking to charlie the first time it was early on it was like i mean it was like february probably beginning of march and i was like charlie this is it man we were leaning in i was like this is it this is this is going to level the playing field this is going to be this is going to be rain on the football field right when i grew up playing football and there was a a superior team in strength and speed and skill. Um, how you overcome one opportunity to overcome that team is when it rains and the 
field turns to mud, it much more the game becomes comes down to grit and like who's going to grind it out and make fewer mistakes and leverage every opportunity. And the pandemic was was rain on the football field for us. And it absolutely creates an environment where the expectation to go into an interview in a suit and walk in and shake a hand and sit across the table from an HR person or a frontline manager to get a job during a job interview, those days are gone, right? Those, ga- those days are behind us. It's water under the bridge. There's no more trying to fit through the doorway with your big wheelchair. There's no more trying to find the ramp just to get into the building. That's done. Figure out how to get a van that's got, can fit your chair that you can get a ride to the interview in. Like that's it. It's done. All we need is the quad stick. All we need is a computer. And all we need is a little bit of training on, on how to use that thing. And you got somebody who just entered the workforce who's been chomping at the bit prove themselves as someone who can provide for their family, someone who can participate in society, someone who can participate in the American way again. And, and they're eager to do it. You know, they just need a little bit of help a lot of times. And, and the pandemic leveled the playing field. And that's how we saw it from the beginning. And we, I mean, we kicked it into high gear because um, we knew the opportunity was, was in front of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's a it's a new type of opportunity for sure. If you have that, if you have the grit, if you have the, you know, sort of the eye for the eye for the opportunity um, and to take advantage of it. Um, and, you know, this is the final question sort of ties into that. So in terms of, you know, organizationally, like what do you guys see coming for um, your nonprofit in the future like how do you see how do you see it sort of playing out you know things are going to change very soon most likely you know not just for the pandemic but just in general and obviously um the pandemic has changed a lot about the way that we live but that's not the only you know that's not the only shift that we've even experienced in the last like year or so so what do you guys what do you guys see in the future what do you guys think is the trend of the future for you i know over the next uh and I'll touch on a little bit. I'll let Bill go because he's more of the, the visionary, I guess. Um, but we have a goal in the future to to take that, uh, what we're looking at now during the pandemic and COVID and, and doing the, all right, we're going to get people online. We're going to get people involved through technology. Um, over the next three years, we're, we're also adding on to that where we're going to be uh, getting out of the house. We're going to be... Um, uh, well, the plan is currently to do some uh, some mountain climbing with some wheelchairs um, mm. and to raise some awareness, uh, to do some summits, and to hopefully uh, do a do a, a big hike on the Appalachian Trail. Um, myself volunteering uh, to do you know a lot of the Appalachian Trail, hopefully all of it, if we can get the the logistics involved, taken care of. Uh, but the goal is to show people that listen, you know, the wheelchair or not, we can get out there and accomplish anything, uh, whether it's at home on the, on the internet, which people expect, or, you know, it's climbing, uh, Mount Whitney or it's climbing Mount Washington, or it's, it's, it's hiking the Appalachian trail. Um, we can do it all. It doesn't take, uh, you know, much more than some effort, some passion, some motivation, um, and a little help from our friends. Um, and we can do, 
anything. And I, and I think that's the trajectory for stand up for me. It's, um, you know, when you stand up for somebody else, uh, other people see that and it, uh, becomes kind of, it, it gets emulated, uh, because people want to, uh, in my, in my opinion, uh, be that person that's there for someone else, you know, inherently that's the, that's human nature. Um, and if I have to start that trend for people with paralysis or carry it forward, that's what we're going to do through stand up for me. I would add to that. Um, you know, Charlie's just fantastic motivator. Um, I, you know, we want to change the way healthcare is delivered to people living with disabilities. We want to, we want to, you know, make sure that um, the ADA is the American Disabilities Act. Is that what it is, Charlie? The ADA. Yes. Um, we want to make sure that that is as thorough as it needs to be, and that it's applied um, across our great nation, and. That, that people um, include that and you know, we're going through this, you know, another opportunity, right? You got the pandemic, this, this massive uh, dilemma, this terrible crisis we've all had to endure across the globe, right? There's also this social reckoning that's been happening over the past 10 years, right? I mean, multiple decades, right? America is the great experiment of a social reckoning um, and in order to enhance our freedoms and liberty, right? And to create an equal playing field for everybody, right? Well, when you think about diversity and inclusion, it's a very important thing. Everybody wants to have representation. They want to have a place at the table. And there's nobody, I don't think, there's not a class that's more overlooked than quadriplegics. And people living with paralysis because <clears throat> getting to the table has been so difficult. So that's, that's the thing that we want to affect in the long term for sure. Um, because when you start thinking about a 5g world and an internet of things world, and when you have a mind that can get a lot of things done on their own with their, with their hands, in the way things work as they are. And then you have a mind who can only use their mind and their mouth or their eyes. They're looking at technology in, in a very different way. And when you talk about wanting to bring a collective of points of view, uh, a collective of perspectives that is diverse uh, to the table to solve humanity's problems for the future, those are the folks we need looking at these problems for sure, right? When you start thinking about an internet of things and and how a, how a revolution, a technology revolution is gonna change the way humanity interacts with everything, we need this group of people at the table and we need their minds thinking about how things are gonna work in the future because they have a unique perspective on it and they have, their mind has been forced to work in a different way and see solutions that I personally can't imagine, right? Because I haven't been faced with those obstacles. So that's kind of uh, 
the thing I'm always like prying into Charlie's brain over and trying to like get him to think about different things, you know, um, because the solutions that we create will be transferable across many industries. And that only helps um, innovation for humanity in the long term to help solve a lot of our, our big problems that we will inevitably face. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, the increase of, you know, accessibility and diversity is definitely key to sort of, you know, uh, you know, making society like a more, a better place to live for just everybody, not just for a select amount of people, for sure. So, um, you know, and to sort of further that point, um, I wanted to, you know, take this, take a little bit of time at the end to promote the um, challenge that we're actually doing with uh, Stand Up For Me. So, uh, Charity and Stand Up For Me are actually collaborating on a charity challenge. Um, we call it the Walk In My Shoes Challenge. It's really simple. You just um, put on two different shoes and, um, you know, you take a video of yourself and text shoes to 797979, upload that video to the charity platform, and um, you'll be able to donate $5 um, to Stand Up For Me to buy quad sticks for people who need it. So it's for a really great cause. And, um, you know, as you can, you have, if you've listened all this way, um, you know, to very passionate, very passionate people um, working on this cause. So, um, you know, absolutely try it out. And um, we'll put a link in our description as well if you want to, if you want to do it that way. So I think that'll be it for today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been super enlightening. And it's really a pleasure to sort of hear you guys talk about, talk about all this stuff. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, thank great. you guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you guys. And so and to our audience, um, thank you for thank you for uh, tuning into this episode of Charity Speaks. Um we'll talk we'll see you next week and um have a great rest of your week.